0: In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. There is a striking old funeral ceremony that was used by one of the big families in Europe, an imperial ruling family, the Habsburgs. A Habsburg in funeral, a Habsburg funeral involved a procession to a monastery in Vienna. The most recent and perhaps the last of these processions happened just a few years ago, when Otto of Austria died. It was a big deal. There were 100,000 people in attendance. The monastery in Vienna contains the imperial crypt, the burial place for the bodies of the royal family. During the procession, the casket would be brought to the front door of the monastery, accompanied by this large crowd and a herald. And the herald would knock on the door of the monastery with a cane. And one of the monks on the other side of the door would ask, Who wants to enter? The herald, in a loud proclamation for all the crowd to hear, would answer with all of the royal accolades of the deceased. Otto of Austria, former crown prince of Austria-Hungary, grand duke of Tuscany, Margrave of Moravia, and on and on and on for minutes when the list of titles was exhausted the monk on the other side of the door would reply we don't know him the herald would knock again and again the monk would ask who wants to enter this time the herald would give a shorter proclamation doctor otto of habsburg member of parliament honor honorary doctor of many academies and universities and so on and again When the list of honors was ended, the monk on the other side of the door would reply, We do not know him. Finally, the herald would knock a third time, and the monk would ask, Who wants to enter? This time the herald would reply very simply, Otto, a mortal, sinful man. Then the doors would be opened and the monk would say, Thus, let him enter. That funeral ceremony makes the point vivid, that in the coming judgment on the last day, you cannot bring with you any of your titles or your accomplishments, your successes and merit, your good effort, your good intentions, your good memories. You cannot bring with you the admiration of other people, the love of your family and friends, your optimism, your good humor. When you stand in the judgment on the last day, all of those things that make you feel good about yourself in this life, all of them are stripped away. They're stripped away. And if that's all a person had to cover himself in this life, well, he'd find himself standing quite naked before the throne of God. Naked like Adam and Eve were in the garden, ashamed and afraid. Now I know that those are tough words, and it can seem like a rather hopeless thing to say at a funeral, but I beg you, I beg you to hear me out, because it is an important and necessary part of the most hopeful, the one truly hopeful thing we can say at a funeral. It wasn't just for show that Otto of Habsburg was only permitted to enter the monastery as a mortal, sinful man, just as it wasn't for show that we stopped Bill's casket at the entrance of the sanctuary and covered it with a funeral pall. And you heard it said, Bill was clothed with the robe of Christ's righteousness that covered all his sin. Apart from that, apart from the mercy of God who covers sinners with the life and death of his own son, Jesus Christ, Just as he clothed Adam and Eve in the garden with the skin of an animal, apart from that mercy, Bill could not enter into life, and neither could you or I. It takes guts to admit that you're a mortal, sinful human being. It's one thing to admit that you've got faults. Almost everybody acknowledges that. To err is human. Nobody's perfect. We all make mistakes. You've certainly heard that before, and you've likely said it yourself. One of the reasons we say things like that is so that we and others don't feel so bad about our imperfections. They're only natural, after all. You can't help it if you mess up now and again. But that's not the same thing as admitting that you're a mortal, sinful human being. That's different, and frankly, it's terrifying, which is why folks so often avoid thinking about it. I avoid thinking about it. It means that when the procession gets to the door of the monastery, or your casket enters the sanctuary, or you stand before the judgment seat of God on the last day, you're admitting that on your own you stand there naked, exposed, all your sinful deeds, all your sinful thoughts, guilty, no excuses, like Adam and Eve when God came looking for them in the garden. They'd been caught, The ruse was up, and they remembered in vivid detail God's word. And the day that you eat of the tree, you will surely die. The wages of sin is death. And not just the death of your body, but eternal death. It takes guts to admit that that's who we are. mortal sinful human beings. In fact, it takes more than guts. It takes the Holy Spirit, who by God's word convicts us of our sin. If ever you've felt that twinge in your conscience, that sense that what you're about to do is wrong, or if ever you've felt that weight in your conscience, that gnawing reminder that what you've done, you cannot undo, if you've ever felt that, then you know what a burden it can be. And nobody in their right mind would say that that's a good thing, that it's a pleasure, But in fact, I'm here to tell you that that twinge, that burden, that weight, when it reminds you of your sin, it's a gift because the Holy Spirit is convicting you, animating your conscience in the hopes that you will learn humility. In the hopes that we all learn humility, learn that we are mortal, sinful human beings who cannot stand on the last day. But here is the crucial thing. Pay close attention to this. We need to learn that we are mortal, sinful human beings, not so that we despair, not so that we throw in the towel or say, what's the use? I may as well go on as before. We need to learn that we are mortal, sinful human beings so that we fear God and so that we trust in his mercy alone. The reason why the church exists is so that mortal, sinful human beings can hear and believe that Jesus died on the cross. Bearing the weight of all of our sins. He was stripped naked and placed under judgment. The judgment that we deserve. So that we who are naked on account of our sin can be clothed with his righteousness. Even as Bill was clothed with Christ's righteousness. So that we who are under the judgment of death. We who are unfit to enter a monastery in Vienna. Enter into this sanctuary in Fairhaven. And least of all to enter into the kingdom of heaven. We may in fact... Enter into life by the mercy of God. All of our accolades and titles, all of our accomplishments, our successes and merit, our good effort and good intentions and our good memories, all of that counts for nothing unless it is forgiven, redeemed, washed clean by Christ. And so on a day like today, when otherwise we would be quite without hope, we are full of hope. And this is not just a fleeting hope, like wishing upon a star, but a sure and certain hope. More certain, even than death itself, is the promise of life for those who trust in Jesus. For those who look not to themselves for salvation. For those who come to the door, naked and ashamed, so that Jesus himself might clothe them. That hope is precious and priceless. It is a hope that Jesus desperately wants for us to have. It cost him so much, more than you can imagine, taking on human flesh, bearing all our sins, all of Bill's sins, suffering abuse and humiliation, dying on the cross, giving himself over to endure the divine punishment for our sins, that he did not commit the sins of people who despise and reject him. That cost was so great, unimaginable. But he did it so that you and I and Bill would not suffer the punishment for our sins, so that we would not have to stand naked before the throne of God, but instead we can stand wearing the robe of righteousness, washed in Jesus' blood, the blood of the Lamb, who takes away the sin of the world. He did it for no other reason than that he loves you. And he wants you not to die, but to live. He wants you not to mourn and grieve without hope, but to be comforted. He wants a day like today to be a day of rejoicing that he has won the victory over death, rejoicing that those who live and believe in him shall never die because he is the resurrection and the life. As surely as Jesus has been raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so too will all who trust in him be raised from the dead. That was Bill's hope, and it is a hope beyond all imagination. And that is why when he entered into this sanctuary, we stopped the casket and we covered it with a pall. We did that to remember the day of Bill's baptism, the day he became God's child, the day he was covered in Christ's righteousness, the day his old, mortal, sinful man was drowned and died so that a new man could live before God. That was Bill's most priceless treasure. It is ours as well but it is a treasure the devil and the world would rob from us. So guard it carefully. Heed the calling of the Holy Spirit who teaches you to number your days so that you may gain a heart of wisdom. Hold fast to the word of God today so that you may be comforted as you face the grief ahead and always so that you may hear the promise of forgiveness in Christ. Come often to the house of God as mortal sinful human beings. Come often and be clothed Be fed, be comforted, be strengthened to hold fast the promises of God. The Lord is your shepherd, and he would guide you to green pastures and to still waters. He would restore your souls so that you fear no evil but are comforted. He would feed you from his table and fill your cup to overflowing. May goodness and mercy follow you all the days of your life, and may you dwell in the house of the Lord forever.